Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, <laughs> why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists, well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast. Where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Who would you have play you in a TV series? Well... I don't know. Taraji P. I don't know. I don't know. Not Taraji. Mm -hmm. It has to be somebody that's like wacky, but shy, introspective. Viola Davis. I don't think she's wacky, but I just, you know, but she can (laughs) do anything. Who would play you? Back in the day, I would have said uh, Sandra Bullock. I think, Mm. you know, there are some characteristics that we share. Lately, again, if Carrie Coon, has a kooky side to her. What about you, ML? Uh, you know, I, I think Allison Janey. Oh. Well, there it is. Yeah. She reminds me of me sometimes. <laughs> I feel like all of us would want to play ourselves, right? Yeah, I'd well, want to play myself. Exactly. I don't need to hire somebody. Everybody, thank you for joining us today. We are going to have a chat with one of my nearest and dearest um, longtime loved ones. I've known her since, gosh, we were 11 and 12 years old. And I have had the extreme pleasure of walking alongside this woman in friendship for over 35 years. I have witnessed her conquer fear and doubt to achieve major successes on Broadway in Rent, in Hairspray, in Lion King. Um, I've seen her create her own solo album called Gypsy Moonshine. I've witnessed her on the stage with some of the world's most respected artists in some of the hugest venues you can imagine, like stadium venues, singing alongside Bette Midler, Taylor Swift, opening up for the Rolling Stones, She's recently gone back to school for music, Berkeley School of Music. That's fancy. And I have recently been so humbled by her truth-telling and by her holding me accountable in this particular stage of her life as I watch her breathe through great loss and great pain and still finding ways to express herself. She's unique and joyful and musical and poetic and love. She is the real deal. 
please welcome a chosen family member of mine forever and ever, always and always, Camila Marshall. Camila Marshall to stage, please. Ms. Marshall to the stage. Hi, Camila. Hi. Hi, Camila. So magical. Hi. I was just listening to uh, the Glennon Doyle podcast, an episode mm-hmm. uh, where she announced Sarah Paulson is playing her in uh, the Untamed TV series, mm-hmm. and, um, which is, I mean, Sarah Paulson, you know, yeah, she's great. Glennon did Sarah's intro, much like you just did. And Sarah was just, she was just like magical. It's always so magical to hear back because we're in doubt so much in the present moment that when you take the time to go, she's this, she's this. And to hear all the lovely things that people say about you, Glennon was like, don't you think everybody should just wake up in the morning and having their bio read? (laughs) 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 Now I can start my day. Now I can start my day. I think we should just wake up and do it for ourselves. Just look in the mirror and go, hello. Yeah, but you are that's fabulous the hardest today, right? Yeah, know, that's the hardest doing it for ourselves. You know, we recorded a completely different episode mm-hmm. uh, and we feel so grateful that you're sitting here with us because I mean, the podcast is called stages. And in the last six, seven months, I feel like you had a year at a different stage in your life. Oh, um, I feel like a different person. You're living in a new part of the country. I am. I am. We moved to Charleston, South Carolina in August. Uh, My husband got a job on the faculty uh, as a professor. So it's his first time being a professor, which we celebrate because it's, uh, you know, I would say long time coming, but, you know, long time coming. He's been qualified for some time. What does he teach? He is an arts teacher, so it's uh, arts for non-majors, theater arts, anything in that department. He's also Mm -hmm. directing the spring play um, all in his first year, which is really, really awesome. So Mm -hmm. we decided that it was right to move to Charleston, and uh, we're super excited. We got here August 1st. Uh, Our anniversary was August 22nd, and that's when we got the call that my mother had a stroke and went to the Mm -hmm. hospital. That was actually a Sunday. I didn't find out uh, that she got sick until the 23rd, the Monday, which was Gary's first day of school. Obviously, it wasn't a question to go to California, get on a plane and go to California. But in hindsight, you're thinking like, what is, what was that? That, that this moment that my husband had been waiting for, we had been waiting for him and we were so excited to celebrate this thing. Your day is tomorrow. And then that's what happens tomorrow. And did you feel torn at all? That of being a wife and that of a dutiful daughter? It wasn't a question, but my concern or worry or panic at the time was that I wasn't strong enough to, to do this on my own. He's so great with his family and he's experienced uh, sickness in his family. And he's mm-hmm. such a rock that I thought, thank God I married this man, because mm-hmm. if I ever have to do this, I don't have to do this alone. He's such a rock. So what was so wacky was that I was getting on a plane to go to California to do this on my own. And it was you know, the saddest day versus the happiest day. There was just so much in that, that I I was like, why would this happen like this? Um, So I went through that. Uh, Many things happen in that three weeks. 
Um, and she ended up transitioning on September 18th. And, and you got to spend three weeks with her before she passed. I did. She was aware for two full days. And I was able to pray with her and sing with her and <clears throat> play worship music and you know, squeeze my hand. She had her eyes open. She was talking and we had conversations. Uh, there was a lot of me that knew that I had to give her permission mm -hmm. if this was that moment. The last conversation we shared, I'd say a good 40 to 50% of the conversation was how your mother was a foundation for you, how your mother would gently guide and lead and how that continued all the way until her last breath. I mean, you guys were two peas in a pod. Absolutely. And, and you're and an only child. You, did, you don't have siblings. I have an older brother who lives in Vegas and, you know, leaning on family and chosen family. And I think through all of it, it was hard to be angry, even though I was. It was hard to be sad and broken, even though I was, because at every turn, there was so much beauty. I, I keep saying the words beautiful pain. It was like the way my friends showed up and my family showed up, the beauty that was happening on this side in Charleston with my husband and uh, what he was doing, the signs and the message and the way my mother was communicating when she couldn't speak words during that time was beautiful. I had a uh, a good friend of mine say to me, what if you, you know, God did what he did in that timing because your husband needed to do this on his own. He needed to have this chapter that he has been waiting for and worked hard for, for all the low valleys that he has been in. Um, what if he needed to have this moment alone mm -hmm. and you needed to have that moment alone to know that you do have the strength, you are strong, you could do it by yourself. And what if it, it was, was that on purpose? You said something to me, was it a Stevieism? Was it one of your mom or was it you that said, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Embrace that. You the know? only way you can grow is through challenges. You know, the only way you can discover things about yourself is by having a situation difficult you have no choice but to go off and do it on your own and figure it out. And then you uncover whole new parts of your strength and your intelligence and your abilities and, or your talents or whatever it is. Had the situation been easier, you wouldn't have had to discover it. That's right. And because we would never choose it. Was. I didn't even know who I was in that hospital. Another yeah. you was being revealed to yourself. Yeah. Would you say that since your mom passed, you're always looking for signs from her? Are you a person who seeks signs from the universe like that? I know that I did when my dad passed. I still do. Very beginning, I was so desperate <laughs> to to connect. See her. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like, okay, I'm a spiritual person. I know where she's going. She knows where she's going. And I'm okay with this, but if she has to go, I need to see her. I need to feel her. I need to. And so I was just so desperate, almost holding so tight that I was missing. And I had to keep having friends go, 
that that right there was your mom. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. You weren't, yeah. you were grabbing so hard. You weren't open. The hands weren't open to actually receive what was yeah. being sent to you. Yeah. 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 And, and, and sometimes would, when you're picturing it the way you think it's going to be, that's what you're looking for instead of just being open to. That's know. what it is. Yeah. That is what it was, is that mm-hmm. you're going off of movies you know, in this desperation, you don't know what it looks like. You just know that on the movie, there's a butterfly and it comes on the shoulder. And, you're like, Mom, do you know? and I remember I had been missing it. And I was in the car with my friend. We were driving uh, in a city in Pittsburgh, which we don't know too well. And I was coming out of this parking lot and I was just sobbing. And I was saying, I just... I don't want to have to look for these signs. I don't want, I want her to just come to me. Like, why can't it just be easy? And she's just sitting in the car and she's letting me do it, you know, and I'm driving and I'm like, I just, I just like, she just needs to be here. And we stopped at this stop sign outside of the little parking lot to turn on the street. And the sign said Meredith, which is my mother. (laughs) So with that, I think in all the signs, I'm huge Jimi Hendrix fan. Um, you know, some would say it's an obsession. I believe it's a spiritual connection. Um, it's it can been- be both. Both can be true, Camila, because <laughs> it's an obsession and a spiritual connection. <laughs> and uh, if Jimmy's birthday is November 27th, my brother's birthday is November 28th, my father's birthday is November 29th. Um, ever since I heard his music and new things like that, I, he, I am inspired by him just beyond, beyond his guitar playing, his songwriting. There's just something about his being that I fully, fully connect with. I do have his name tattooed on my arm, um, which my mother did not like. Um, and my mother passed away on the same day Jimi Hendrix passed away. Oh, wow. I feel like my mother did that for me because she knows <laughs> that I needed that. And I consider that to be a really great gift. So it's just little things like that along the way that I'm starting to see daily, which is really, really helpful. It's a gift that you got to spend time with her in the end and, and be there and connect with her. And that's a real gift. When my dad was passing away, I got to spend a, a good amount of time with him and we would just have these long conversations and talk about so many things. And it truly was a gift for me. I really do feel like that time that I got to spend with him was a gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. When people are going through uh, hardships and pains, even though our mind can uh, wrap the understanding of this is the circle of life, you know, I'm, she's still with me. She's always been with me. But then you still have to continue on with your day. And as artists, that day extends into sometimes finding yourself on stage in front of tens of thousands of people, which mm-hmm. is what you had to continue to do. Did you use those times of music and art to celebrate her? What did that package feel like to you? Um, in the beginning, it was a, a tough decision uh, because... I put a lot of um, weight into what other people would think <laughs> of, of me going back to work. Were you on tour with the Rolling Stones at this time? The uh, it, the band called Ghost Towns, and we were opening up for the Rolling Stones. Right. Um, they kindly said, "You don't have to come. We we you know we understand you don't have to do this. We will get a sub." 
And I said, and at that point I hadn't worked in since, uh, March of 2020. Oh, wow. It was, uh, you know, it was the end of September of 2021. So I was, uh, desperate to work to get on a stage, to feel connection with people and do music. Uh, um, So to me, it was like, this is the thing that I've waited for that has been like a hole in my heart to do. And now I have this, which is so monumental. And I knew that the one thing that would make me, that would heal me was doing music. I knew that. Uh, but I hesitated because I thought, what does that look like when your mother passes away? I kind of started by going to a couple of family members saying, I have an opportunity to go work. I don't know if I should. I don't know if this is right. And it was so unanimous uh, in people saying it is the one she was so proud of you. Like she would want you to. Nobody's judging you. Everybody does this differently. And I felt like that's what I needed. And I was surrounded by my bandmates and I told them, you know, let's not be precious about it. It is what it is. If I'm here and I start crying, that's what it is. I'm going to cry. I'm heartbroken, but this is all very healing. And this is where I'm choosing to be right now. So uh, with that, when I got on stage, it was twofold. It was like, well, this is the first time I'm on stage and my mother hasn't been able to call or text or say, I have a great show, take wings mm. and fly, which was her, her thing that she said all the time. And then I'm also like, and this is the first time I'm in a stadium since 2019, you know, <laughs> holy smokes, you know? So it was emotional for many reasons. And I remember there was one song that we were singing and it was a stadium and it was open. I was looking at the people and I looked up and there was just a very special specific moment where it was like, she's here. So it was very much a release. It was healing. I'm so glad I did it. It was, you know, timing, timing, um, divine timing has been so um, never so clear to Mm -hmm. me. In this, I've always believed everything has happened. Everything happens for a reason. I want to speak a little more about the the guilt and the judgment because I think we all go through that. Mm-hmm. My therapist said something years ago. She goes, you know, we refer to ourselves as the ego. The ego now has a terrible connotation. The ego just means self. So you're just referring to yourself. Guilt is from the outside that other people place upon you and then you claim as mm-hmm. your own. Judgment is from the outside. That's what other people place upon you. Mm -hmm. But when your instincts, when your gut, when your heart, when everything is saying, I need to go this way, I know this is right for me. And then all it takes is just a murmur of a whisper or us second guessing what someone might think that may not even be the truth, but all of a sudden their opinions, their perspective and the optics of it all yeah. It's it smothers what we mm-hmm. know instinctively to be right and true for us. Mm-hmm. I know that has happened to me in, in many times, and it hasn't really led to the right result when I when my compass is based on what right. are they going to think. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's never about you. When when people are passing judgments on you, it's about them. 
Mm-hmm. It's not That's about true. you. It's it's how they see the world. It's how they were raised. It's what their experience has been. It's their traumas that they haven't dealt with. It's all their own stuff. And they're That's projecting it onto you. Yeah. And what's fascinating in this moment is I don't have a lot of fear around what people think about me. Mm. I mean, I, I dress crazy. I, you know what I mean? I, I feel like you know, it's the older I get or the more experiences you have, or, you know, where you're just like, I give zero, you know, that's right. And, and and I found it so strange that in my mother's passing Mm. is when I decided to care what people thought. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and that's because you were vulnerable. It's a vulnerable time. Yeah. Or did you feel that it would reflect upon her? Well, yeah, because, you know, will people always remember that her, you know, her mother died and then she just went on tour? Like, I don't know what that means, but that's, I made it mean something. No, You know, what I realized in my circle is most of us hadn't lost a parent yet. Mm-hmm. Very, very few of people in my close circle had done it. So then we all really just started saying to each other, we've never done it. Right. You know, we're doing it through you. They didn't know how to necessarily take care of me. Stephanie and I had a conversation and it was like, we, because we don't know how to do it. Do you know what I mean? She's like, I was over here doing my thing and I wanted to, but it's not that I wasn't thinking about you, but I wasn't, you know, and I'm like, I know we just, we just all don't know how to do it. So I don't know that it actually is okay to go feed my soul through music on a stage in this moment. I didn't know. Death makes people very uncomfortable. So you don't know how to approach someone, how to talk to someone when they've lost somebody. And it's just, your own discomfort and you don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And so sometimes the person who's lost might feel abandoned or, you know, like, what the heck, man, how could you not reach out? But people just don't know how to approach that stuff. And if we were all just a little more honest, like, look, I I just want to reach out. And if you want to talk great, if you don't, don't call me back and I'll check in in a week. And maybe that's all they need to hear. It's And I don't think you know that until you're on the side of the loss. You know what I mean? Because I was the same way. Do you know what I mean? I would, I just was so scared of it and the feelings. And I would try, you know, I would say, I'm sorry for your loss. And then I would kind of run away. And then on the side of the loss, you're like, you literally can come to me as messy as you need to be. I know it's all messed up. Do you know what I mean? And I, I want people to know that, um, I, Camila in her darkest times had to reach out to me and say, where are you? Where are you? You're my sister and I haven't heard from you enough. I need you. I don't know what's going on, but I need you. And it was a awakening for me, that grace for me fortified us even stronger because that allowance of picking up the phone and saying, this is who you are to me. And I am feeling the lack in the time when I need you the most is a hard sentence to say. It is a hard sentence to receive. Camila was able to receive that response and recognize who I was in the murk of it all 
And, you know, sometimes you have to mine through all of that stuff to really get to the heart of the person and then say, okay, I see you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I still see you too. Thank God. And then the breath changes and then it opens up into a completely different chapter of your relationship. And that's where I found myself in early December when Mila called. Conversation happened because I've changed because I've been changed. And I don't know that I would have ever been calm enough. I just think I was operating differently. Suddenly the real, what's really important came clear to experience true loss and true sadness and pain. So you were able to put it in a new perspective, pick up the phone with a newfound compassion, a newfound perspective and say, I love you, man. And I need you. Where are you? And it becomes a whole different thing. What's wrong? What's, is there something Mm -hmm. wrong? Because it's unlike you when it's out of character and you know, your friend's character, you know, I'm okay. I've got family. I've got my husband. I've got my friends. I'm okay. But you're missing because you're, you, you make, you also make me okay. You complete this circle that's happening over here. It, It was what you think to be a hard conversation. But I think in this moment, when it's life and death and what's important and nothing else matters, those they really can be easy conversations. Do you see a different artist in front of you as well? Camila is an incredible uh, songwriter, uh, incredible lyricist. She has an album out called Gypsy Moonshine, which I think embodies her perfectly. Does that still embody you perfectly? Uh, well, Gypsy Moonshine, I always say is, you know, it's 12 years old and and it's special to my heart because that was the beginning of my songwriting chapter of my life. And I didn't necessarily have the most confidence, but I wrote what I knew and that's what came out of me. And it was authentic and it was the best that I could do then. And now, um, so I started a songwriting uh, class in uh, January for this semester. and. The very first week, you know, he's saying, if you really want to be a songwriter, uh, I encourage you to write a song every week. He was like, that's how you get good. That's how you practice. That's how you make your songs less precious. Um, because, you know, you get to the end of the week, you write it and you just kind of have to finish it. And, you know, they're going to start another one next week, which is an exercise I really, really need. So I was like, OK, this is going to challenge me in this moment. The very first assignment that I uh, a song that I wrote was Beautiful Pain. And what happened was on the Friday, the assignments are always due on Sunday. So on the Friday, you have to write like a little blurb, you know, and take a phrase and kind of just write a melody to that. And then it's getting to Sunday and my assignments due at midnight. And you haven't started to write the song. And I haven't started. And so I kind of start writing it and start writing it. And I'm like, oof, this song about my grief, which was terribly hard to write. I kept saying, I don't know if this is torture or if this is therapy. And then I had to to record it and play the chords. Then I had to record my voice singing it, which was like terribly hard to sing, getting through these, these words, you know, and it became the most personal thing that I've ever written. And I finished it and I turned it in and I was like, oh my God. Do I think it's great? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like it wasn't even about that. It was verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge for the assignment. And it was a full song about my most intimate feelings and the uh, heartbreak, you know, the beautiful pain that I'm going through. And I I found that so fascinating. It was very, um, it was easy to write in the sense of what I wanted to say, but hard to write in the sense of 
because it was so personal. Letting, letting that go, you know. I find that you're a real storyteller um, in your songs. I mean, that's the case with Gypsy Moonshine. And it's sort of country. It's sort of funk. It's it's sort of musical theater because of the storytelling arcs There's that seem arc to be there. in all yeah. of your songs. Yeah. And I think that's one of your great gifts is that you're not just a songwriter. You're a storyteller. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't undo the musical theater foundation. We had a discussion earlier, the acquiring of inspiration, putting it in a box, and yet not really then producing after that, right? The act of doing. What book was that again? And who, who what was that whole idea from? Lila Tharp. Yes, Lila that's right. Tharp. The Creative the Habit. Creative Habit. Yeah. The greatest books that ever lived. And it was about her her uh, theory of, of boxes and, and that, that you do all of these things. And the boxes, I have the idea and all of the things that make the idea, surround the idea, how the idea feels, looks, whatever, goes in the box. It's all the objects in the box. Um, and then you take the box and then you go make the thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we think that the box is that we created. Yes, that's you know, the thing. Like, yeah. no, that's not the thing. And I found myself going, that's me. I love a box. <laughs> love to put things in the box. I'm a good collector. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being inspired and mm-hmm. I just never do it. And in Berkeley is like, you know, when you, you have to put it out there for your classmates to hear and critique and where, you know, it. I'm doing it online, but it's the same as being in the class when you have to write the song and go, ah, I don't know what this is. And then you have to put it, pin it for everybody to go, oh my God, Camila, I think the bridge could be, be- like whatever. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's mean, but you know, that is, has probably changed me the most. Do you find that the critique is, does it hit a little harder when you see it in writing as opposed to in the past, if you were, you know, in a classroom with each other and hearing that dialogue? I'm not precious. Um, I used to be precious because I was new in songwriting or scared to sing in front of people or whatever. I used to be precious. I realize, you know, I teach my students, it's like, Know what you do and know what you do well and don't apologize for it. You know, if I say, are you a soprano? Are you an alto? What is the best thing you do? Stand there and say, I am a soprano. I'm really great at that. And know that you're just mediocre at a, as an alto. And that's okay. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I know I'm a good songwriter. Am I Joni Mitchell? Not yet. Do I want to be one day? Do you know what I mean? I know I'm a good singer. Can I riff like Mariah Carey? No. But am I a good singer? Yes. And so I think the feed, you you start to realize everything's subjective. And the greatest thing that this teacher has done, and it's only been a month in his class, if it's the only thing I take away, he said, stop apologizing. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is not a class about singing this is songwriting. We get it. If you're not a singer, he's like, don't come to me with, Oh, I have a cold today. I lost my book. You know, I'm a pitch. Don't apologize for your, your playing. If you're not a piano player and it's just chords, I don't want to hear your guitars attitude. And he said, and and beyond that, he said, if you're going to be a songwriter or whatever you do, don't apologize saying it's just a work tape or it's just a demo or we're just is so qualifying. Yeah, your worst enemy. You've set me up 
to already not like it. Like I'm already listening for the, the shitty vocal. I think your whole adage about knowing yourself, don't apologize for your strengths, don't apologize for your weaknesses, but that has to be offset with a beginner mindset. So there's this, I think it's a Buddhist belief and it's called Shoshin and it's Shoshin means beginner mindset. And what that tries to teach us is what we think we can and cannot do, what we think we are or are not, are oftentimes habits. And we and it can limit what we're capable of. But if you go into something that you've never tried before and you've already limited yourself by saying, I'm good at this and I'm not good at this, you're not going to be good at something that you didn't approach with a beginner mindset. So the goal of Shoshen is to go in like a blank slate, know thyself, but be open to the beginner mindset and learning about a part of yourself that you might not, that you might limit had you already put the expectations or the qualifications on it. We had an enlightening conversation with um, Patty Penn, who's a healer and a Reiki and, um, she said something, she goes, I hear so many people say, well, I don't really meditate. I don't have mantras. And she goes, sure you do. They're just negative. Yeah. Ah. Repeating yeah. This, you absolutely, you repeat on loop the same yep. thought. It's just not an affirmation. It is harmful and it is negative to your life. Um, so it, what you're saying is really great because I tend to speak for myself Um, And I am a person who loves to learn. I love to be challenged. I am always up for a challenge. I take risks. I want to learn new things, things that have to do with music, things that don't have to do with music. Um, And and that's my nature. And I sometimes forget that everybody doesn't have that nature. So they could say, I'm a great alto, but I'm a terrible soprano, which is what I used to say until I'm like, well, I can you know what I mean? I, I took that story out of my head and threw it out the window. So I, I think you're right because sometimes I forget that it's just my nature to be a certain way mm-hmm. and everybody feels that way. So mm-hmm. take the Buddhist way. Are you still doing this game show? Game night. Game with night. Espinosa. With Eden Espinosa. Uh, yeah, it's on a platform called Broadstream. It's actually about to have their uh, official launch. Uh, there are three episodes of Game Night um, up there. We started Game Night in 2020 at the top of the pandemic in conjunction with Musical Theater West. And we were just trying to help them make content for their subscribers because we were all at our houses. And uh, we started just kind of getting on the Instagram live and talking to each other and doing musical theater trivia. More people started showing up every week. And then Broadstream is a platform and they do theater and Broadway based content. Um, and they said, we saw game night and we want to have you. So we filmed eight episodes. That is so fun. I was watching you guys mix the cocktails and, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, it's have your drink fun. word. And I was like, I'm coming on that show. I want to come on. I love you games. Really you end up belly laughing, like to the point of wheezing. Both <laughs> you and are like wheezing at point. Definitely an acquired taste. I think you're either going to love it or hate it. I mean, because we start drinking and then you know, it goes off the rails, um, especially our episode with Laura Bell Bundy. Good luck, everyone. Um, but- Good luck, everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You guys. You guys. 
Um, but really fun, something different. I think Eden and I just felt like, why not? You know, what, you know, this could be really great or nobody could watch it, but doing it. But that's yeah. a great mantra. The why not mantra is really something that I'm trying to embrace during this whole shift of times and everybody's pivoting and talk about the beginning state of mind or being a beginner at something. I think in order to pivot, if you want to start anything, it was happening in these last two years and we all became beginners. I think that's the only way to get through shifting times is to tap into that creative space inside of yourself and go, what the heck can I learn? Because when what you've, what you're comfortable with is taken away, you better go figure out something else to be comfortable with sort of a resiliency that is key to happiness in life, I think. The why not state of why mind. Why not? It's going not? with the flow. It's not yeah. resisting the thing. The tide. You can't control the tide. So you might as well go with it, see where I it's going to take you. It will be easier if you don't resist. Yeah. You know, it actually becomes really empowering when you say, do I want to spend my energy resisting or do I want to spend my energy renewing? Here they come, our five questions. If I were to walk into your closet, is there one piece, article, jewelry, item that means so much to you that you will never get rid of? You know, there are 100 things, but I'm going to now say in this moment, my new cremation jewelry, I have two rings one is my mom's ashes and one is my grandmother's ashes and they're next to each other. That's, but you know, I might say my Gucci sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you could go back and talk to your teenage self, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? You are good. Mm -hmm. Cut it out. (laughs) A friend of mine just sent three or four voice memos to me out of nowhere. And I pressed them. The first one is me singing Tango Maureen in Rent on tour. The second one is me singing something from Rent. The third one is me singing Take Me or Leave Me. These are all bootleg copies of in Rent. When I was an understudy, I hadn't even taken over the role yet. And the fourth one was something from Rent. I sat here and sobbed. Because, because you were the awesome. Stories in my head at the time mm-hmm. were that I was undeserving of being there, and and that I wasn't good. And I listened to those, and I was like, "You are fucking crazy." This girl was awesome. I sounded young. I had a younger sounding voice. Your storytelling me there. All there. I just didn't have the big voice like some of the other people around me that I probably wanted, but mm-hmm. I made that mean that I wasn't good. And so I would go back in time and just say, girl, you are good, period. So you're kidnapped. You're on the phone with Gary. You have to say one thing to Gary to let him know that you are in dire, dire straits, but the kidnappers can't know that you're relaying a message to him. What do you say that makes Gary know, oh crap, she's in danger? (laughs) Single greatest question alive. And I'm asking it to my students tonight. (laughs) Mine for Sebastian is, honey, don't forget to pick up the sushi tonight. Because, you know, I can't eat, I can't eat 
cooked seafood, lady. So if I'm saying pick up the sushi, Seb's like, oh, dear God, I'm calling 911. <laughs> Something horrible has happened to my wife. What is yours? Mine is, um, oh, honey, I am so sorry, but I won't be able to watch the football game with you tonight. Okay, so what's yours? I hate sports. I don't <laughs> I can't even. I can't. <laughs> I'm having my Jimi Hendrix tattoo removed from my body. Uh There you go. Okay. Uh Um, If you could have one question answered, what would it be? One question answered. Why wasn't I alive at the same time Jimi Hendrix was? Oh. Uh I ask that often. Still haven't found out the answer. If you were a nail polish color, what would that color be? And what's the cheeky little name? of that nail polish. It's, I'm pretty sure I said the same thing. And if I did say the exact same thing, then you know it's true. It's hot pink and it would be called Gypsy Moonshine. That's, That's exactly it. right. That is it what is. I <laughs> Because you I don't know to- if you remember, I went and got my nails done that day. And then I sent you a picture. I had painted my nails bright pink for you. Yep. It's great. Yeah. Well, this was an entirely different entirely. conversation than we had just several months ago. It is a testament, again, to who you are, to paying attention, to being open, and um, and being resilient. And you are such an inspiration to me, Camila Marshall. Thank I love you. you. I love you both. Thank you. You're a bright light, and you're all talented and, and beautiful and all of those surfacey things. But I think you're a really special human really special person. And it really comes through. I mean, twice I've talked to you and twice I left with the same impression of like, what a special person. So God bless you. I can't wait till we hang out. I want to know this question. And I asked it on my Instagram and I don't know if you answered, but if 2021 were a chapter in your book of your life, what would that be called? What chapter, what would it be called? Busting open. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And do you, would, would that chapter be a positive, like a pivotal point? It would be a very, uh, it would be one filled with lots of turmoil, but yes, lots of positivity. Yeah. Wow. I love that so much. My chapter would be something like um, broken breath boldness. That should be the title of the book, girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole book. <laughs> ah, the stuff went down in 2021. Yeah. What was yours? What's your chapter title? Um, I, I I don't know, but I, I think it was probably like stronger than you know, or, or you know, strength unknown, I think I said. Strength, strength unknown. Oh my gosh. Okay. You're, You're everything. Thank you. Thank you. Love y'all. Be well. Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after this break? Stages podcast is sponsored by Simply Earth. I love essential oils. I use them a lot, but I was always making up recipes on my own because I really wasn't an expert and I didn't know what to do with certain oils. So they just ended up sitting on my shelf. Until now, I have discovered Simply Earth. Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box helps you clarify what oils to use. And they help me make my home toxin-free. 
Your essential oil recipe box comes with four pure essential oils, six recipes, lots of fun extras, and all for $39. And when you subscribe, you'll get a big bonus box full of all kinds of natural goodies. Using essential oils to promote wellness does not have to be confusing. And right now, Simply Earth has a special for Stages cast members. You'll get a free 80 milliliter diffuser with the code STAGES. So log on to simplyearth.com slash STAGES. Get your free diffuser and start making your home and your your life toxin free. Thank you, Simply Earth, for supporting Stages Podcast. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our theme song says, Love where you are now, but sometimes we all need a little help. I've learned from therapy and in my yoga practice that growth comes from challenges. A good therapist can help you reframe the way you look at a challenge and your life. And BetterHelp can provide you with a therapist that gives you some tools to navigate. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can reach a therapist in under 48 hours. And right now, Stages cast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp, so don't wait. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages, and love where you are now. Oh my gosh. She's so awesome. She is so awesome to know that we could have conversations with the same being, right. And not, not that far apart, less than a year. Yeah. Less than a year. And it is, that's why this title to me of our podcast is, is so, um, potent. We're constantly regenerating. We're constantly noticing new things, which inform who we are. Our essence is the same, but we are different beings with every sunrise and sunset. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be a bad or scary thing. You know, it's a great thing. I think sometimes we limit ourselves by trying to be the person that we always were for someone. We limit ourselves by trying to be the same. We actually limit them by staying the same for them. We can define that person in quotes or them as our damn selves. It's true. What's interesting to me though, is so many women I'm talking to now are really sort of coming into a new phase in their life, a really strong phase. Why is it that it takes women so long to get there? (laughs) Why can't we find that when we're 25, you know, so much more pliable and so much more willing to morph into what someone else needs from us or wants from us when we're young. If we had the strength that you find in your forties and fifties and sixties, boy, I don't know. I think because we're defined very young, whatever that may be by a parent or a teacher, or it can even be a positive thing. You know, something you do really well, you're awesome volleyball player, or, you know, you're so great at this. And so we hang on to that. And then hanging on to that, we, find a belonging, which is so necessary when you're trying to find your place in this huge world. Right. Yeah. But then you can get lost in that belonging because of a word that you use several times over in this conversation of feeling comfortable Yeah. and feeling comfortable sometimes can be, you know, the end of it all. Yeah. But but that's why you have to keep the beginner mind, right? Because if you, if you, if you see things like a beginner all the time, then you don't know what your limits are. Then you don't know what you're not good at. Right. So you just keep trying to hold on to the beginner mind as you, as you enter each different stage, stage of your life. And then like Camila, you look at yourself and you're like, I'm 
doing this. The thing that I thought I could not do, mm-hmm. I am doing this. You know, but I think that you should, um, we should touch on a little bit so that people understand how you know, Camila, you guys went to high school together. You used to drive yes. to school together. Yes. One of my favorite parts of the story from the old interview that we were talking about was that you guys used to drive to high school together oh, and yeah. whoever used to drive you used to make you listen to country music yes. all of the time. And that was one of her early influences with country music. But then years and years and years and years <laughs> later, you record your album with Dolly Parton, who you used to listen to in the car. And then when you were recording that song for your CD with Dolly Parton, you brought her to the studio with you. Okay. I loved that story. That is, that was a no brainer to me because you, you know, Mr. Breeden driving us to school, listening to country tunes, which for me as like a 15 year old, you're not thinking is the radio station you're really wanting to listen to, (laughs) but it influenced us about storytellers, right? I love country music and I'm like, wow, aside from musical theater, country music stars, they can craft tell the story. That's right. And so I do think it really helped us become performers, become artists. And yeah, you're right. You know, doing nine to five, the musical 2009. So however you want to fast forward, I don't even know how old I was because math is super, super hard. (laughs) Um, But I knew I was going to be in the studio that day with Dolly and there just was no option, but to not get Camila in that room with us so that they could meet. And I could share that experience with them. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of investing in a friendship for that long. I have very few, right? Because I do think it is healthy. As you've made mention before, you got to grow, you got to go. Your friends are alongside with you for a certain time. And then you go off and do life. If you come back, there's a renewal, but you don't need to grip onto those friends for your entire life. But then there are the ones that you cannot do life without. Camila is one of those. Yes, she's awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. This was so great. All right. Um, I will check back in with you next week. Until then, every sunrise, every sunset, new beginnings. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Love you too. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.